Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Wattie Thompson is an artist from the Otway Ranges in Victoria, and he has just released his self-titled debut album, which is an epic collection of songs that dig deeply into the trenches of life and which are ultimately, I found, life-affirming, and I'm really looking forward to talking to him about the album. Hi, Wattie. G'day, Sophie. Good, thanks. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm wondering, uh, I'm going to plunge straight into it and ask you, what was the first song you wrote for the album? Um, that's, that's a good one. There's, there's a couple of musical ideas on on that that I've had for probably 13 or 14 years. All right. So it's a it's an old collection of music, but all lyrics have been written written have been writ, written over the last handful of years. So mm-hmm. musically, musically probably um, like the motives from coming home. Mm-hmm. I've had for a very very long time. And uh, also the music for On Your Shoulder I've had for about 13 years. Um, but I think I think the first song I completed lyrically was A Revolving Lament. Mm-hmm. With the, the song about wanting to give give the grog away. Yeah. Um, I've, I've probably had that one for a good seven years or something. And so do you tend to write music first before lyrics? Uh, it's a bit of a bit of both. I, I think so. Though I've probably generally got a got the musical ideas first, and then I'll have I'll have a story that want to that I want to put into a song, and I'll I'll choose I'll choose the music that I've already got that suits it. Mm-hmm. Um, and or sometimes I come come at the same time, but I'd say majority, a lot of the time for this album, I probably had musical ideas first before they were paired with stories so did you start your musical life I was going to say start life that's a bit dramatic did you start your musical life playing an instrument rather than writing songs or being a singer yes I sure did I've been been playing in bands for years and spent most of my kind of early early adulthood in all of my 20s and living living in the big smoke and and playing in rock and roll bands which I contributed mainly kind of guitar riffs and musical ideas to. So, uh, it's probably only later in life I've really taken my hand to being a lyricist. Mm. I've, I've always kind of written poetry and, and mucked around a bit, but it's the last several years I've really knuckled down on it. But um, And the, the same with singing. I've always I've sung the occasional BVs yeah. in other bands, but I've never... Never had a proper crack. I remember my old man telling me when I was a kid, never sung as a kid, and he said, look, you don't have to have a singer's voice. They look at look at people like Bob Dylan. They're not, not the greatest singers, but as long as you can tell a story. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, uh, kind of went with that when I did started singing. I never considered myself a, a proper singer. Well, um, I've got to say, I, I think you do have a singer's voice, though, because you excellent at expressing nuances within the songs and, and finding different shades within them. So maybe it's not like a Frank Sinatra singer's voice as in like that, that kind of range or tone, but it's, it's definitely a very effective voice. Ah, thank you kindly. 
They've definitely gotten stronger in the last the last couple of years of playing these body shows. Probably come a long way from uh, when I first presented these songs to friends around campfires. Yeah, right. So um, if it's a long way to the top of your water rock and roll, is is it a longer path to release your own music under your own steam? It's a huge path. This is this has been such a proud proud period of time having this uh, been released to the world. Been such a journey. Um, so much work goes in from you know from the time that they were written until until the album signed off on, and then all the hard work that goes in in between. Um, you know, getting the music heard and and getting the the name and the word out there. It's a hard hard slog to get things seen and heard these days. Mm. Um, so a lot a lot of work and. A long journey, but it's, and now it's just the beginning of a journey as well because the uh, the release just marks the record existing. Yeah, and now the, the next journey begins of getting it into people's ears. Yeah, it's. I was listening to it um, and noticing, not because the songs felt too long, but just noticing looking at looking at the track listing that yeah, a lot of these songs are longer than the typical radio friendly length of song. But at no point did I think that any song was too long. So that made me think about your instincts as a storyteller for knowing when to start, when to end, but also understanding that arc of beginning, middle, and end. And you said that you've written quite a bit of poetry. I'm wondering if you actually like as a kid were fond of writing stories and have therefore been working on this for a while. Yes, yeah, so it's, like, it's funny to say that I've just, um, I was recently going through some bags. I was um, trying to find some some old school reports and uh, had, had to go through bags of old old things at my folks' house and found all these stories that I'd, that I'd written and submitted for different school yeah. Um, kind of school end of year competitions and story writing projects and that kind of thing. So I've always, always um, tried my hand at, at at writing stories. I think. Yeah, right. Um, found a little news newspaper clipping. I got got an award for a story about a blue book owl. All right. It got published in a Murray Darling Basin. Um, some some kind of a collection of students' stories when I was in grade three. Forgot right. about that. I was just looking at that this afternoon. I thought, well, I had been writing for a while. Mm. Well, it, it's when it seems effortless, it, there's a huge amount of work behind it. And I do think, um, you know, you don't arrive as a writer fully formed, particularly telling these sorts of stories, because they do, I said at the top, it's an epic collection. They're also epic stories. It's like this, it's almost felt a bit like the sagas, the Icelandic sagas is just this cycle of life going on within this album. And so that always starts earlier, I think. You know, you're working up your craft. Obviously you were honing certain musical instincts through playing in bands, but lyrically that kind of just come from nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, um, like I said, I guess try my hand in the early years, but I found it it to come pretty natural because it's all... All of the stories on on the record are firsthand, mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of just writing about kind of life experiences and, and lessons learned so far, uh, but then putting them into putting them into relatable lyrics because most of the themes covered and uh, are things that most people will go through. So written written as a, as a way of me to process my own thoughts after 
things have happened, but it's also written in a way that I, and I hope that, you know, they might might help others while listening. If, if you happen to be listening at the time that you, you're going through something similar. Yeah. It's, I mean, I found that in, in some of the songs, there are, you well, there's you admitting to what might be called failings in the context of the songs that it's, it's, things where you feel like you're not doing them completely right, but there's absolutely no self-pity. It's just honesty. And so yeah. I'm wondering when you're writing that lyric, whether you whether you ever veer towards self-pity and kind of rein yourself in, or is it just that process of writing the lyrics and being really honest with yourself that gets it out onto the page and into the song? Um, yeah, I think I think just complete honesty. Yeah, never, never going down the path of, of self-pity, going... Um, you know songs like like Jenny, which is written about a lot of a lot of people in this country, blokes especially, being shit out at expressing their emotions, <laughs> and and they've you know in turn been no good at um, supporting their loved ones through tough times mm-hmm. because they never never learned to express their own stuff, let let alone help someone through theirs. Mm. And that was that was written at a point in my life when. I was made to realise that I wasn't the best. I'd I'd been there with words uh, for loved ones when they needed it. Mm -hmm. So it was written written as a bit of a a self-critique, but then written in a hopeful way as well, you know, acknowledging that I I can get better at this. And now that I know that it's not my strong point, I I can start working on it. Well, of course, you could have taken the critique another way. You could have just been really upset and thought, yeah. I'm not changing myself for anything. But it is interesting that you did take a think, oh, okay, well, this is an opportunity to change things. Yeah, life, life's about uh, you know, learning things and uh, exciting growth. We never stop growing and, and uh, you know, developing into better people, I think. So more, more you can learn. That uh, you know, things you need to better about yourself, the better I reckon. And I, and that's probably the theme, or one of the themes in the the song, "The Only Heart I'm Breaking Is My Own," which is about your nature. Um, and you state it right up the top of the song. It's about the fact that you've been kind to others, but not as kind to yourself. I'm wondering yeah. if creating music is a way to stop breaking your own heart. Definitely, I think music's music is great for. A lot of things, but um, I think writing and performing music is very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And that song, I've, like I say, that song, my own biggest critic, my own harshest critic, and always have been. Um, but writing that was was you know that, that was in re- recent couple of years, and right. a turning point of me going, "There's no, there's no time to be like that." Like that, that song almost didn't make the record. Ooh. Because of me second guessing things and right. you know thinking it might not have be good enough to make the cut, but kind of push myself to do it. To go, no, this it is a good tune. Yeah. It deserves to be on there. You know, put it out as a single and, and people enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so I sometimes have to remind myself of that song. <laughs> right. When, well, it, it is a good I, tune. So I'm glad you did put it on the album. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I think I might have cut you off. I think you were still saying something at the end there. Um, 
yeah, I think it's been it's been a good reminder because I still have those moments of, of overthinking and over critiquing mm-hmm. myself before I even get it, you know, before I even get a chance to put things out of my head. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I've been wanting to to write these songs for years. You know, it's kind of a, a dream project of mine. I used to kick myself about not having begun it right. and, you know, thinking I'd, I'd taken too long to start getting the songs together, but in the end, everything happens when it's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens at the right time. But, yeah, when you are when you are such a past critic yourself, it, it can be hard to even get past the point of a, a song, you know, leaving your songbook or leaving your shed or wherever you're writing it mm-hmm. because, because you're in your own head you might think oh, I don't know if that's if that's um you know good enough to go further yeah but uh once you push past that anything <laughs> anything can happen and I also wonder if the personal nature of the lyrics gives you pause because you're thinking that there there is a lot of myself out there now or is there a sense of trusting that the audience will receive it in the spirit in which it's intended yeah, def- definitely. Uh, I've got no uh, no fear about that right. that anymore. I think because it all is such relatable content and written, you know, r- written to be there for for other people mm-hmm. as well as my own self expression. Uh, yeah, I've got got no qualms anymore <laughs> with put, putting my spilling my guts and putting the heart on the table. I think that's that's what it's all about, and then it makes makes the audience also feel like they can do the same. Yeah, right. And the shows are becoming this big back and forth between between the audience and the band. We're all sharing the same emotions and feeling the same things and it just snowballs and it's it's a really beautiful thing. Well, that actually brings me to talk about Mountain Sage because um, that is perhaps the most epic of these epic tracks on the album and it's, it is like a novel inside a song. Um, and it is about grief, as is the track that follows, which is Coming Home. And I'm wondering if you've had feedback from the audience or from, from listeners who have heard it elsewhere um, about how either of those songs might have helped them manage grief. Yeah, in a, in a big way. Mountain Sage especially always always brings some tears um, from, from audience members and, yeah, had plenty of feedback. People, people saying that it's helped them through moments of grief, mm-hmm. but also on the other end, um, you know, people who kind of folks are still around, making them realise. You know, plenty of times I've been being told that people have, have ran out of a show after crying and gone straight to calling their mum to tell them that they love them, and um, you know, maybe it's. Maybe it's made some people realise about you know, cherishing, cherishing moments while they still have them mm-hmm. as well. Because there's a little bit of that in that song as well. You know, not mm. taking moments for granted mm. and, and uh, not realising till it's, till it's too late. Not not that you should have those regrets after you lose someone, but um, and yeah, coming home always hits hard. Mm. It's hard as well. So. Definitely. When I first first started playing these Wadi shows, I'd, I'd sometimes finish on one of those two songs. Right. And I was quickly made to realise that it wasn't 
wasn't the best way to do things. You need to go through those emotions with someone. You need to bring them back up afterwards and shake it off. So we always we might play them towards the end of a set, but we always finish with a, a couple of party numbers in the end to you know bring everyone back up and they'll feel like we're happy again. <laughs> but it's a it's a roller coaster roller coaster of an album, and and then the show becomes a bit of a roller coaster of emotions as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have your fun songs, and then you got your the real hard hitting emotional ones, and and everything in between. Well, this also, sorry, go on. No, so you go. I was say that I think it's also the power of the way you've written them that their their meaning is extremely clear. So it's it's and again, there's no self pity in either of them, as in you're not there saying woe is me, I've lost people feel sorry for me it's actually it's it's paying homage to the people who have gone in both of those songs I think yeah yeah absolutely it's um yeah I've been really it's really been heartwarming how much how much they've been kind of hitting home and in, in a good way mm. and you know it's really nice to to hear that it's that it's making people feel and feel and think and I think that's what it's all about yeah and you talked about those songs um on mountain stage in particular reminding people to not take things for granted but I think that's a theme of the album as well because you you write about the natural world in the beauty that surrounds you and there's a real sense of not taking that for granted of appreciating every minute I think that's in a few of the songs and so I'm wondering as you go about your day are you are you someone who has your eyes and ears open to the details of life? You know, what the trees look like, what the sunshine's like, just the little the stories that might happen by passing someone on the street. Often, then often I also need to remember to listen to the words that I've written. I live, I, you know, live out down the southwest, this beautiful, beautiful environment, but still, still manage to get caught up in the busy lifestyle. I guess because I'm working so hard to to push the music that it's, it takes a lot of a lot of hours of um, you know behind the scenes work and admin and far, you know way too much technology than I'd that I'd prefer to be <laughs> using and it's easy to get caught up in it and you know that song was written to, as a reminder to everyone to take those moments in life, step away from the bullshit and remind ourselves how lucky we are to be living in this beautiful place and how lucky we are to be living in general. So just have a moment here and there to, to take, a deep, take a deep breath and, and have a look around. Um, so I still yeah, get plenty of, plenty of those moments down here, but often I have to remind myself to mm-hmm. do so. Because like it, like everyone, it's easy to get caught up in the the fast paced lifestyle that we live in. Um, but so- those, sorry, go. On. Yeah, those moments can be taken at anywhere at at um, any time. So we just need to remind ourselves to do so. And I'm wondering also if uh, being in nature unlocks you creatively because going for a walk amongst trees is one way a lot of people report that you know they kind of free their mind and ideas come so for you did moving out of Melbourne to where you're living now actually did you notice 
you have more songwriting happening or more creative activity. One hundred percent. This this we wouldn't be sitting here uh, talking right now if that move didn't happen. Right. That's that's yeah. One hundred percent believe that. So it's from um, yeah, I guess from Northern Victoria originally. I'd started a little bit of songwriting as a when I was young before I moved to Melbourne. Then moved moved to Melbourne and was just flat out flat out playing in in, in bands and being caught up in the noise of living in Melbourne, I guess. And I'd penned I'd penned a small handful of these body numbers before leaving town. Uh, but that decision to move which ended up falling about uh, six weeks before the world shut down as well, which was wow. a good time. <laughs> uh, getting back back out to the country and then having that space and that time really led to the following of this dream. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, 100% couldn't have done it in the noise. <laughs> Is there a particular spot you like to go to if you're feeling, well, maybe you never feel creatively blocked, but if you actually are sort of needing a bit of a rejig, is there a particular spot you like to go to? Uh, yeah, a majority of this album was written in a little round mud hut with a pot belly fire on a prop- property that my, my darling Bertha and I were living on um, up until about a year ago that we could, we still still up the road and we still visit it. So that little um, mud straw bale hut, uh, which is where a lot of it was recorded and quite a bit written in as well. Mm-hmm. One of my favourite places. There's another. There's another little um, hut down on the southwest, on like kind of yeah, further down the coast, past Lavers Hill. That's uh, we're lucky enough to have access to. It's an old, over a hundred year old sandstone hut in a little valley on the fierce south coast. That's a great little hideaway as well. That I, I plan to get down to this this July. Right. Where things have been very very busy, and I'll still be busy for a while. But planning on taking a, a month off in the middle of the year to just go down and get a chance to complete some songs. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few sitting there ready to. You know, ready to sign off on, which I'm sure we'll have to think about right. putting together at some point. I, I got to not get ahead of myself too far because this first album's only just coming out, but I can't stop the brain from ticking. And I would, I would have loved a bit of time to just uh, step away from it all and go finish some songs in a shack. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, some very ideal spaces down here. To get and the now you, done. you said you're about to be busy. Well, you're going to be busy for a while, and that is because you are going on the road um, to doing a few gigs in New South Wales at one in Queensland. Um, I saw. So I'm wondering if there are any in particular you're looking forward to, or you're looking forward to them all. Looking forward to them all. There's five left. We just did the big bush dance down here, down here at Estonian House in Brunswick West, which was the one and only Victorian show in the end for the the album run that was incredible it was a real dream vision come to life now but all all five looking forward to in new south wales been lucky enough to to be introduced to a bit of an audience in sydney been up there a couple of times now um, through through friends up there caitlin harnett and, and andy gollidge 
it's, and some, some other mates up there. So we're playing, doing our first ticketed show in Sydney at the Vanguard, which is a beautiful little, little kind of theatre vibe uh, band room. We've got good mates, Kay Walsh and Lady Lyon supporting on that. So sort of really excited to get back to Sydney. We haven't been there since New Year's Eve. And uh, Wollongong will be good as well. First time playing La La La's. And it's just up the road from, down the road from Thoreau, where Cheat and Hearts Records is based, who mm. put out the record. So that'll be a special one. And then for years, I've been wanting to have a beer, sit at the front bar and have a beer at the Altham Hotel. <laughs> up in Altham, New South Wales, and we've we've lined up a show a couple of times and it hasn't quite happened to so finally getting to have one off the board at the Altham, which we've got a bit of a... Chapel Jack Williams is up there, good old mate of mine, and we've already got a bit of a community up there, so I can't wait to finally finally visit. Mm-hmm. Um, I should, after Sydney, I should also mention the Tumut, Tumut River Brewing Company. Uh, Tumut is the original hometown of, of the Crichtons, I believe, William Crichton. Mm-hmm. It's from there and his brother Luke's moved back there. Great little brewery, so and a great little stop off on the way home from Sydney. And then, of course, the, the debut visit to to Brisbane and the, a stop off at the Bearded Lady. <laughs> and we've, we've got an incredible, incredible lineup of supports. The, I think the supports themselves up there would would sell out the show regardless of us. Coming up, so very lucky to have such a a great lineup up there. JB Patterson, I'm not sure if you listen to much JB, but he put out one of my favourite albums of last year. Um, Springtime is coming. Uh, another good friends band, Camping, and also Suicide Country Hour. So that's going to be a huge night up in. Well, it sounds like that's a like a four band bill. So yes, uh, the Tumut. Um, Brewery seems to be getting a lot of great bands lately. So I would imagine there's quite a quite an audience that's built up in that town now for music. Yeah, it seems that way. A lot of good stuff going through. And I love that little towns around the place have these music communities building. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you hear stories from decades ago, like the 90s, you know, you've been able to, to be an original band touring in Australia and there'd be way more stop-offs back then than there are now but they seem to be popping up again there's all these little pockets of of music loving communities and every time i hear about one i get excited and look forward to uh, to meeting to meeting them and finding these new little pockets so hopefully it's somewhere we'll be uh, that we'll be welcome to and and be able to visit again down the track and you will have some vinyl with you i think because i saw on your social media you took some delivery of vinyl records. Yes, I've, I've sold out sold out of my um, my share of them, but oh, well, no vinyl, no no vinyl uh, on the road. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be restocking when I meet up with my good friends at Cheat and Heart Records. Once we make it up to New South Wales, they'll uh, they'll gladly restock me, which is good. It's a it's a beautiful. I'll just grab one. It's down here. One of the last two copies I've got here in Victoria. Mm-hmm. We couldn't fit. We couldn't fit it on one record, so it's a big heavyweight double. Oh, it's a, it so, deserves to be a double, I think. Again, epic album. Just uh, 
I just sometimes apologise to people that they have to flip it four times, but but it's <laughs> worth it, I think. I concur with that assessment, Waddy, um, and I'm going to let you go because I've had you talking for a while, but it is right. such a, a great album and I know I'll be playing it for a long time and also thinking about it when I'm not playing it because it has this way of getting in with its stories and and um, and the way you present them. So I'm sure live it will be just as special for people and I'll put the tour dates in the notes for this. So, uh, oh, they can go to your website, I'm sure. Thank you very much. Where, whereabouts are you? Up in New I'm South in Sydney. Okay. You'll have to come down to the Vanguard if you're free on, on uh, June 2nd. I will, be, I will be checking my diary, I can assure you, because, yeah, I love the album. Congratulations and great to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.